When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Beyond the Balance Sheet, Series 2 the show where we inspire business owners to become a force to be reckoned with. I'm Ashley Bloom, and I'm your host. Promoting a business is one thing, but how do you promote yourself, your achievements, and your brand? I quit my job two weeks before the pandemic hit to be a public speaker, and all public events got cancelled. When I look back on last year, I'm going to look at it as the year I grew up with my business. It's not just about the working hard, it's about the telling people what you're doing. Self-promotion is a form of storytelling. All you have to do is figure out how you want to tell your story. This week, I talked to author, founder and voice of Fuck Being Humble, Stephanie Sword Williams, whose black now, worry later attitude has landed her opportunities, including doing a TEDx talk, being named one of Forbes 30 under 30 and hosting her own radio channel, plus writing a book with no experience as an author. In this episode, we talk through everything from the importance of self-promotion to the lack of female representation in the creative industry. So Steph, welcome to Beyond the Balance Sheet. I am so excited to have you on the show because not only am I a huge fan of the platform that you've created, but on a personal level, as a friend of yours, I'm so proud of you having seen all of the work that you've put into this since you first launched. And I've experienced you working your arse off to get everything kind of off the ground and where you wanted it. So to kick things off, I'd love to just hear your elevator pitch, who you are, what do you do, why do you do it? Cool, thank you so much. I'm Steph Sword Williams. I'm the founder and author of Fuck Being Humble. And I basically created the platform to help people be unapologetically proud of their achievements. So my observation was just that for so many people, we're not taught how to self-promote effectively in the workplace, in our careers, whether you're self-employed, whether you're running your own business, whether you're working at a company. I think it's one of the most important skills we need in our lives, to be honest. And very often we're just not taught it. So I really wanted to create a community, an online platform, event series, and just collateral that could help people with overcoming that fear of self-promotion, particularly things like imposter syndrome, self-doubt, and really just educating people on how to tell personal stories. I worked in advertising for seven years and I know the power that storytelling can have for big businesses, but I also know the power it can have for individuals. And when we're not taught how to do things like this, we freak out and we, you know, run the opposite way. So 
it was a lot about how can I not only raise awareness that self-promotion isn't a bad thing, but actually how can I teach people to self-promote? Because I think for a lot of, lot of the platforms out there, very often it's raising awareness of an issue, but not actually then educating people on how to change their behavior around the topic. So that's always been my goal with any content I put out is what are the actionable takeaways that people can go away and implement? You did a degree in communication and promotion. I did the same degree as well. And then you obviously said you spent, what, seven years in advertising before launching Fuck Being Humble as your then side hustle definitely not a side hustle anymore what made you decide that the shift was the right thing to do when you did it and also do you think your experience in the advertising world directly helped you in what you're kind of educating people on you mentioned obviously the art of storytelling and transferring that from brand to people so can you just talk a little bit more on that I think storytelling has always been ingrained in, in things that I do. So I've, I've, if you ask my dad, he was like, you were telling stories at the age of four. Like he says, like, you're exactly how you were when you were youngest. So I think it's definitely always been a big part of my identity. Going to university and, and studying the degree we did, like, you'll know it was very much like the apprentice pitching, coming up with ideas, having to, work with people you don't like, that those experiences happened a lot earlier than some of the people and some of the peers that I have. And then, yeah, absolutely working in advertising. I think both in terms of the, the pain point, so my experiences of working for businesses and maybe not having the most supportive bosses or feeling unappreciated or overlooked or like I've put in so much work and so much energy and not got the results that I wanted. And that insight that I picked up on of the reason I called my business fuck being humble major caveat I absolutely believe in being modest in your career of course there will be a place for that but what I hate seeing is when people are so humble they miss out on opportunities and that's something upon reflection now that I feel I probably sat back expecting my work would get praised and recognized and thought that you know if I work hard that that's the key to success but actually I think there's a big part of the story that is lacking which is it's not just about the working hard it's about the telling people what you're doing and that's what I really want to try and help and and that's definitely stemmed from my lived experiences of constantly moving to different businesses constantly wondering whether the grass was going to be greener and it actually took me to launch Foot Being Humble and I always use myself as a guinea pig so anything I tell people to do when it comes to self-promotion I've generally done it myself and in the past it's coming up to three years this year of running Foot Being Humble my reputation has transformed significantly like three years ago no one knew me I was just one of the many cogs in the machine working for different businesses selling other people's ideas and in the time that I've invested in myself I've seen so much more success so much more progress in the direction that I want to be going in so I don't think I'd be here talking about but being humble and the success it's had if it wasn't for my time in the industry, both understanding the storytelling, but also figuring out that insight and what the pain point is that I know so many people around the world struggle with. And you've had some incredible successes and we'll talk more on them shortly, but also let's take it back to kind of early 2020 when COVID first came into our lives, because you had literally, and I remember this very well, just taken the plunge to go full time with Fuck Being Humble. How did you manage to stay positive, keep growing the platform when there was so much uncertainty in the world of business and 
your entire business strategy and business model was kind of you had to completely change that because I'm sure that you were aiming to do events and that sort of stuff and everything changed so can we just talk more on kind of that part of your journey yeah in terms of taking the leap I think for me, my book was due to come out in May 2020. The momentum was growing. I was getting bookings in Europe and I wanted to do a book tour in Australia. And there were so many amazing things bubbling. And I was still working in advertising at that point. I was working in advertising the entire time of Running for Being Humble. And it just got to that point where it was like, I can't physically do both. I'm really happy with where I got to at that level in in the advertising industry. The next roll up would have been MD or founder or CEO. And I had to ask myself when I've got something bubbling and growing really quickly, I might as well just give it my all. And I can always go back into advertising if it doesn't pan out. So I, yeah, I quit my job two weeks before the pandemic hit to be a public speaker and all public events got cancelled. So timing was um, impeccable from me. Uh, But what... When I speak to a lot of people about this, they're like, oh, why didn't you quit sooner? Or like lots of people used to be like, you should just quit your job. And in my head, I was like, I'm not ready. And even though it was unfortunate timing, I needed to do it at the point I did it because I was then confident in how I was going to map out revenue, who who were my clients going to be. And I'm proud of myself for not, you know, not listening to what everybody else was telling me and knowing in my gut I wasn't there yet. But yeah, when it turned out that all events were getting cancelled, I'd lined up, like everybody says you should, like six months worth of like revenue. And I was really proud of myself. I was doing it like the adult way. And um, yeah, I lost like 90% of the business like within weeks. And I think, to be honest, I just went into kind of survival mode where it wasn't really an option that I was going to sit around and, and have a meltdown. It was like, okay, well, well, what can I do? How can I shift all of this online and and it wasn't too difficult you know it was just a case of buying a zoom account where I can host up to 500 people and that was essentially my only outgoings and it was just a case of pivoting everything online what I'm really proud of is the way that I created my event content as I said at the beginning it's always action-based so I don't I hate going to events where you just sit and listen to someone talk for an hour and then you're like cool what do I do with that so the way that I'd always structured my events was it was workshop based so you come along I'll give you five or ten minutes lots of ideas to think about and then I say you've got one minute to answer the next six questions and it's really about taking people on that that journey so that as they leave the session they've got loads of points that they can go and implement immediately And so that was what was probably so great in hindsight. Like I didn't know this was going to happen, but it didn't feel like I had to completely redo everything. It was just a case of making sure everything was a bit more digital friendly and and it could be presented as a webinar. And I was lucky because I I suppose I'd built up that momentum. I I had a a good following. Although this time last year, I had 5,000 followers on Instagram and I now have 25,000 followers which is all organic growth. And and again, I think that's massively been down to really pushing webinars. And, you know, when I, when I tied it up at the end of the, uh, the year, you know, end of 2020, just gone, I'd reached people in over 50 countries. I was doing webinars reaching, you know, between 500 to a thousand people at a time. And again, yeah, no, no advertising. It's all organic, all word of mouth. So, um, I was really, I, I don't want to say luck because I, I think it was bloody hard work and graft that got me to that point. But I think although obviously 2020 was an awful year, 
the loss of jobs, the loss of certainty was actually a perfect timing for foot being, for me to invest all of my time into foot being humble because the support was needed so much. Career advice, guidance, workshops on how to stand out in application processes, interview tips. And I did have to start creating some new talks. I started doing like a CVs made easy free webinar just to make, you know, content accessible for everyone. And I started courses and did loads of different things which when I look back on last year I'm going to look at it as the year I grew up with my business and a big part of my revenue is working with businesses and brands and offering employee engagement sessions please do get in touch if anybody wants me to book a session but a big part of that business that side of the business that my clients didn't have the budget it got cut immediately so it was much more about b2c it was much more about coming up with products that my audience need essentially that for about six months getting money and getting bookings with clients was was near to impossible it was it was really hard work and particularly when you're getting those knockbacks so actually what I did was focus my energy on really supporting those that were in need and actually that that was more than successful. It was profitable. It was the thing that I needed to do both in building the community, but also building up my portfolio of products. As you mentioned, you launched new courses and you launched so many new pieces of content. I think it's definitely a great learning for anybody to have to really, really listen to the market and solve those problems almost in real time. When you initially started Fuck Being Humble, it was to show the world that self-promotion wasn't a bad thing. And to help people confidently tell their own stories and articulate their successes. Why do you think there is such a stigma around self-promotion, particularly in young female entrepreneurs or female people in business? I think there are a variety of reasons, and I do talk about this in my book. I sort of explore there can be cultural factors, there can be things like religion, there can be things like location. There are so many different reasons why self-promotion is deemed as taboo generally it's because people don't know how to do it and we fear the things we don't know how to do well I think for women it's it's a lot of the time lacking role models and I suppose when I said earlier about me being a guinea pig is I do like to show hey this is me self-promoting this is how you do it or this is me openly talking about money and not cringing or actually showing people that it is possible because Without fail, everybody says to me, oh, I don't do self-promotion. No, it's not for me. I'm like, I don't think it's optional. Like, I actually don't think it's something, it's the same with networking. I don't think it's something you can pick or choose to do if you want a successful career. And I think role models are an issue. I think the lack of education and resources on how to do it. I think things like tone. So one of the questions I get the most is how do I self-promote without sounding arrogant? I say to everyone, I'm like, are you an arrogant person? And I literally have a definition. I've got like a six point list of what it means to be arrogant. And it's like, dismiss everyone's opinions because you think yours is the best. And I was like, if you don't hit any of those points, you're not an arrogant person. So you won't all of a sudden become arrogant just because you're self-promoting. You know, we've seen a lot of campaigning around anti-racism this year, around gender equality. There are so many things that are more pressing than self-promotion. But actually... When it's down to you as the individual to change the action, when it's not about systemic change and it's not about changing a population, it's actually about changing your behaviours, that's an easier task to take on. So I just think when it comes to self-promotion is I always break it down that self means I and promotion is just an activity that supports an aim or a goal. 
So there's really, there's nothing awkward about that. There's nothing embarrassing. Like the only reason it's built up that negative connotation is because people have done it really badly on LinkedIn. And I suppose what I say to people to sort of combat that thinking is look at everything they're doing wrong and do the opposite. Like do your way. Self-promotion is a form of storytelling. All you have to do is figure out how you want to tell your story. And if you don't want to be arrogant with that, then you won't be. Why is it so important to own your own achievements and celebrate successes through self-promotion? Why is that so important nowadays? I think even more so considering we're doing a lot of remote working and a remote work collaborating with other people when you put the power of your success in other people's hands you'll only ever be disappointed and I say to people like thinking that that somebody is typing in stephaniesawdwilliams.com is more arrogant than me self-promoting like assuming that the whole world knows who you are or the people you want to impress are, are singing your praises and doing everything you can to make sure you succeed that is a it's a very small like sort of narrow vision and and I think you know speaking from experience like there is nothing more disappointing than when you don't get that salary increase you don't get that new job title you don't get publicly recognized but rather than sitting in bitter angry resentful moods why don't you just take it on as your task? Because nobody wants your success more than you, apart from maybe you, your grandparents or your mum and dad. But but your your boss's role or, the, or your peer's role, it's not their job to make sure you do well. Like it's not that everybody is focusing on themselves. And particularly with remote working where we're not getting those constant opportunities to either advocate for ourselves or speak up. Like it, it is even more vital to make sure that you are putting that information in front of the people that need to see it. Whether that is asking your boss, how do you want me to update you on my weekly progress? Should I give you a quick phone call? Should I send you a weekly email to recap? I used to do like, here's everything we've done this week. Here's everything we need to do for next week. And here's a couple of watch outs. And, and that then leaves a really solid paper trail of you've got all of that information. So the next time I ask for a pay increase or I'm asking for more responsibility, you have that information to hand. But to expect that your boss is writing down every single thing that you do is great. And and I always make a joke that when I used to work at a company, we, we were doing a performance review and they were like, bring three things that you've done that you're proud of. And I took 25 things. Not that I reeled it off, but it was to be like, I need at this time, whether it's your performance review, whether it's a catch up, I need to take the opportunity to tell you all the stuff I'm doing. When you don't self-remote, you risk the fact that you are not seen as needed. It's it's definitely a mindset shift. Having that fuck being humble mindset is so critical. And I think relatable to business owners as well. They've also got their struggles with with self-promotion. They've got these great businesses, but they've not they're not used to the world of social media in a day and age where a lot of leads will be generated from online and from social media. So that you know they've got their own struggles with self-promotion. So I think it's a really relatable mindset for kind of no matter where you are in your business cycle. Even more so when you are a business founder, because actually you don't get performance reviews. You don't 
get the opportunity for somebody to say, oh, you're doing really well at the moment. Anybody that has been running a business in the pandemic will know how many hats you've had to wear, how much juggling you've had to do. And if you're not validating yourself, if you're not writing down your successes, telling people who is like, it's so, so important. And I always advocate for getting testimonials and really staying on top of that and, and actually making that part of a contract when you work with a client or you work with someone, get it in writing that they have to give you a testimonial just for pure reminders that actually you are doing good it's important across the board at whatever age you are whatever level you're at like the more validation and the more proof that you've got to prove that you are good at what you do the better you will be able to present yourself for future opportunities you've got a kind of blag now worry later attitude that you talk about and this attitude has landed you some of the most incredible opportunities you've hosted a ted talk you've written your own book do you think that you would have achieved what you have today if you didn't have this kind of black now worry later attitude no not at all like I, I, like for me what what i say to people when it with the black now worry later sort of slogan is the reason i say that is because you probably won't have to blag it you probably do have those skills and if you don't you just you learn to figure it out i, I would say in my career i was definitely thrown in the deep end a lot and i just had to find a way to come swimming back up and although at the time it was really hard work and I felt constantly burnt out constantly run down as a result I definitely think it's instilled like a quite a fearless mindset and there are I would say on a weekly basis things come through where I'm like I am not sure I have got everything I wouldn't say I'm perfect in this but let's go for it anyway and every time I do it I just think it's just adding an extra string to your bow. I think it's about just allowing yourself to feel that fear. But fear is fear is there to stop you from killing yourself and doing something stupid because you're about to clip up jump off a cliff. Fear is not there to stop you for altogether. And that's what's important is we all feel fear. It's what you do with that emotion that's important. And part of why you started for being humble as well was because you felt that there was a lack of female representation, particularly in the creative industry, which at the time was the industry that you were very much focused on. But I mean, I know that I've seen that at panelist networking events and, you know, various different things there is a very clear idea of who's on the panel and who's not. And it is difficult to see. You're not often seeing yourself represented in those spaces, which, as you said, even in even in employment, you know, when all of the managers are kind of definitely not representing you and your journey, it is hard to feel inspired and it's hard to feel motivated. So you think that you've noticed a shift in this since launching because of the fact that you've kind of launched your own events because of the fact that you're motivating more young women and men to kind of take part and volunteer themselves as panellists and things like that. Have you seen a shift in in that since? I mean, I don't want to claim that I have I have changed an industry because of everything I've done. What I would say is I have had really nice pieces of feedback where people are a woman got in touch with me and she's like, as a result of attending two of your webinars, I networked on a international like Zoom event. And now I'm guest lecturing at a university in America for two, two sort of semesters. And I was like, amazing. Like that's, that's great. And I, you know, I hear a lot of, I get a lot of those, those stories come through. I, I think 
to change an industry altogether is it's obviously it's tough and it, it's not going to happen overnight. I think we have to definitely get past ageism is something that I'd like to challenge. And, and, I, and I think I, again, I suppose in myself, the fact that I have got to deliver a TEDx talk and the Forbes under 30 list and all those types of things is a demonstration that, that it does work and it, it, it can work. I think it needs to be pushed further, but I definitely am seeing more diverse panels, more exciting discussions and people feeling more comfortable with doing it. But it's funny, isn't it? Because I, I think prior to 2020, prior to the pandemic hitting, I would have said it was quite slow progress. But I think this past year has made us all go, we have to make a lot of changes. And if we want to see those developments, we want to put ourselves forward, we have to do it. Also, for me, I, I think it is, if nothing else, for being humble through the Instagram account, through the book, through the online events, it's just giving people the permission that you can do this. I can only take people to a certain point. I can only educate them on on how to do it. It's then about them pairing the actions. And I'm always really mindful of like, I never want to take the credit of anybody doing the things that they do as a result. It's like, absolutely, I can be the inspiration. But somebody who asks for a pay rise or does that networking in that Zoom call, that's down to them. That's down to them going for it. And I'm I'm really proud that I was a part of the inspiration behind that journey. But generally, it's, it's down to the individual to make those positive changes. A big thing that stops people from going for these sorts of things is imposter syndrome. I know personally that a couple of years ago I got invited to speak on a radio show and I was so nervous. I said yes and then I remember on the day just thinking there's no way I can do this and I just didn't do it. And it's one of those things that always kind of haunted me because since then my mindset is so different to that and I can't relate with that version of me at all. But it happens to everyone at every level and the more people I'm interviewing for this podcast the more I'm kind of hearing that you've got these business owners turning over millions and millions who still suffer every day from imposter syndrome when they walk into board meetings. And it is something that you talk about. So can you kind of give me your idea of why you think so many people suffer from this? Imposter syndrome generally is, it's the having an awareness that you may not be the best and the most perfect person at that thing. But that's not a bad thing. Like, imagine if you walked into every opportunity and was like, I'm going to smash this, and then <laughs> were sorely disappointed. So although it can be really debilitating, again, like the fear thing, it's about helping you to have the, that awareness that, okay, I am nervous. I do feel nervous. I feel a bit scared. And I think then there's two types of, like, nervousness. You've got the one where it sounds like you had of, like, gut-wrenching, I'm going to be sick, I can't physically do this. And you've got the like nervous butterflies where you're like speaking about it makes your hands a bit sweaty, but I'm actually really excited to do it. The reality is, if you're the first one, which is that I feel physically sick, I can't sleep, I can't eat, doing a task like that and it not going well could have sent you back 10 steps. So actually, I don't think it's a, a bad thing that you did pull out at that point. And a lot of people come to me and they're like, Steph, you're going to kill me because you're going to say I just need to go for it. And actually, it's like, that's not that's not the advice I would give. And for you, it sounds like you needed to do more presenting, more speaking to people, getting more comfortable with it. And if that opportunity pops up again, you'll do it in a much better way than you would have done back then. And 
I think it's just about not beating yourself up too much. Like we all feel imposter syndrome at all points, but it's again, it's that feeling of like, do you want to, how much do you want that opportunity? Do you want to let it go? Hopefully I'll get better. And in six months time, I'll have the opportunity again, which to be honest, most things we will have the opportunity again. And that's what's important is not to beat yourself up that you you missed out. But I also, you know, with imposter syndrome, I say to a lot of people, it's like, rather than focusing on how difficult it is in that moment, think about all the amazing benefits that could come as a result. So when I was writing my book, I, I was absolutely petrified and I cringe at some of the things I put in the book. Like I actually can't, I can't listen to the Audible book that I narrated. But what I had to say to myself during that process was if one person reads it and gets one benefit from it, whether that's leaving a toxic environment, whether that's asking for more money, somebody knowing their worth, like whatever it is, then it'll just be worth it. Like this is not about me and my ego and whether I'm good enough. This is about me helping someone else. And a guy got in touch with me recently and said that his daughter had put me on her vision board. And I like, I nearly cried. I was like, that's so amazing. And that's not something I ever imagined for myself at all. And if I'd have carried on working in advertising, that just wouldn't have happened. That wouldn't have been the thing. So with imposter syndrome, I always say like, focus on that future of what if you do this and it works out? What are all those amazing things? Because of course you could write a list of everything not working out. But that feeling of when those what ifs, the positive ones come true is like like no other. And and I think when we we have to look at like if we are lacking in role models, we have somebody has to start being those role models, particularly for women, particularly for women of colour. Like we have to start creating opportunities and spaces. And if you play small, no one wins. Literally no one. You in particular don't win. So it's really about asking yourself, like, what is the future you want? What is the legacy you want? How do you want people to speak about you when you're not in the room? Are you on track to achieving those things? And if you're not, then you have to have a word with yourself and say, okay, how can I get from A to B? And so it's really important for you to reflect on your personal and professional goals so that you have something to work towards. Otherwise, you will wake up in five years time and go, what if, why did I say no to those things? It's that mindset shift. It's the blag now, worry later, and you just won't have to worry later. And you also coined the term FOSS, which is fear of sounding stupid. Can you talk to me more about how it, you kind of came to the part in your journey where you realised FOSS was such an issue for people? So when I was writing my book, I actually came up with FOSS in the very first presentation I ever wrote, which was three years ago. It's my most popular talk. It's my self-promotion masterclass. And the point that I was trying to get to with with explaining FOSS is when you feel stupid or you're worried about sounding stupid, what we do is pull back and we say nothing, nothing of interest or we don't stand out. And I actually coined a second phrase to follow that up, which is fobge, which doesn't sound anywhere near as nice, which is why I always start with FOSS. But fobge is the fear of being generic. And that's what I want people to be more scared of, is that when you, as I said, when you play small, when you talk yourself down, when you don't speak at all, the biggest worry is that you sit in, and I call it camp generic, this space where everybody is saying the same things every you're so keen to blend in you never stand out like that is more of a concerning environment to be in and 
the fear of sounding stupid, like, like I said, we're going to feel, feel it at many different points in our careers, whether you're starting in your industry, when you become a manager for the first time, when you're an MD, like every stage that we go through, there is always going to be that point that we are going to fear what other people may say. And I, I, I will probably say some stupid things. I did a, a webinar at the start of the year. It was a course. I was actually reliving it the other day. It's so embarrassing. But I basically presented an image saying, you know, really good things. You need to get a hook uh, to to bring people into self-promotion, to get them excited. And I shared an image of a fisherman with a huge fish and it said master beta on it. And I just read it as... <laughs> <laughs> master of baiting fish and actually what I'd done had told 160 <laughs> people on my course that the key to self-promotion was masturbating and I then had to like continue to present that presentation but this whole thing was like of course that sounded stupid and I had to at first I was like I've just got to breeze past this now I can't believe I've just done it and I was laughing so much on this live webinar I had to just go back and go I am so sorry if that offended anyone can't believe I've just done that like that was so daft of me but I would much rather you know if that's what people <laughs> remember me for fine but I would much rather ha have people see me in that way to show that you know we can't always be perfect at everything we do yeah I just think like unless you've told 160 people that masturbating is the way to career success I don't think you need to worry about sounding stupid because I'm over here owning that space 100% Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You are so authentic, and that is what I think does make you stand out and what, what feeds into your success. I think authenticity is really important, which is something I think that you're hugely successful for. But if you can talk me through some of what you believe are your biggest successes, what's the thing that you're kind of most proud of today? I'm definitely proud of how I handled last year. I think that was a big one for me. So, 
you know, there were things like when lots of businesses were turning graduates away because they were having to make job cuts. I said to myself as a small business, what can I do when everybody else is turning away? How can I actually lean in, support graduates? So I designed a four week course, which is called Side Hustle School. And it was basically teaching grads on how they could start a side hustle, not only to support them through the pandemic, but also to stand out against the competition. I've since gone on to help over 300 people with Side Hustle School. And and that's been a real amazing case study of when you listen to the needs of your audiences, you can absolutely support and help people get to the, the stages they need to get or help them have confidence or just give them that, that nurturing and that guidance when they need it the most. I was really proud to have made the Forbes under 30 list. It's something that I'd had on my list of things that I would love to achieve in my career. And I did that at 28, which was great because I still had a couple of years if I, if I needed to go again. I, I did an event uh, last year and I was in, when we did in-person events and I was in Oliver Bonus and I was, it was the next day and somebody tapped my shoulder and was like, oh my God, I, I came to your event last night and I've already asked my boss for a, a pay increase or Another woman got in touch recently to say she negotiated a 13k salary increase plus a new title in the peak of the pandemic. You know, it's those sorts of like, oh, right, this, this is working then. And I think so many aspects. I'm, I'm proud of the community. I'm, I'm proud of writing the book, of course. But I think for me, it's definitely getting those like nuggets of feedback that, that it's working. And, and that's all I ever really set out to do. Definitely. And if you had one piece of advice to anyone who struggles with self-promotion, what would it be? So I always say to people, just don't let labels limit you. I think one of the biggest issues we have is by labeling people by as introvert or extrovert. And the reason being is it sets a limiting belief as to what you think you're capable of. And that may have been done by a teacher. It may have been done by a parent, a sibling, a peer, anyone. And as a result, people don't do things and they use those labels as a reason not to try it. And I actually think from my experience, like when I used to go networking, I'm a very openly confident, outgoing person. I was terrible at networking. I just went in and talked about myself. And actually, I think introverts are way better at networking because they're more likely to ask questions. They're more likely to listen. They're more likely to take the time to really understand that person. It's not about being a loud person that that the loudest person doesn't get respect like I think some of the best storytellers I know are people that don't class themselves as hugely outgoing or hugely out there it's just about figuring out how you want to tell your personal story and I think when we let labels define what we can do we we miss out on on opportunities and we miss out on saying yes to things or believing that something is capable oh, I could never write a book and that's not the case so I just think you there will always be you will always have self-doubt there will always be fear you'll always probably feel a level of imposter syndrome but it doesn't mean that you are not worthy of that opportunity it doesn't mean that you can't do it it just means that you might have to try things you might have to work harder for certain things I, I know somebody that she was petrified of public speaking and she had to give a talk to 400 people. So she practiced every day for three months, you know, and she did an amazing talk. And it's just that reminder of like, you don't have to walk on stage or, you know, be on social media and be perfect at it immediately. I don't think any founder would say they are. 
And if they are, you know, that that's amazing. But I generally, most people have taken them, you know, years to get to that point. So yeah, just don't, don't let labels limit you. Don't let a title or yeah, or a label that you were given when you were 12 be the definition of what you can achieve. This podcast is all about proving that financial metrics aren't the only measures of success. What we've realised in all of these interviews that there is so much outside of profit, sales and other, you know, financial metrics that that make what is success to somebody. So what does success mean to you? Oh, that's such a good question. I think success for me is doing a job that I love that actually benefits other people and I don't think everybody has the opportunity to do that and I feel really lucky that I've managed to someone asked me what I thought my purpose was and and I feel like it's storytelling for good and it's inspiring people with achieving new things and I feel really grateful that I've managed to combine that with my everyday work with the with the business that I run so I think for me it's yeah like the sense of fulfillment I get is doing something that I really love every day and knowing that it's then positively helping people. Thank you so much, Steph. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so nice to catch up. Hope you're all as empowered and motivated by Steph's story as I am. And it's so important that whilst we all cringe at the idea of self-promotion sometimes, it's important to remember to fight the fear of sounding stupid because we are the only people who can tell our stories. So we should fuck being humble and share our successes with pride. Stay tuned for my discussion with Lee Manning, where we discuss the key learnings from this episode. And I pick his brains on whether or not he agrees that there is a lack of female representation in the world of business. If you liked this episode, go and have a listen to the rest of the series in series one. We are Raffingers and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn at Raffingers. Alternatively, you can check out our website, www.raffingers.co.uk. I have been your host, Ashley Bloom, and this has been Beyond the Balance Sheet. Thanks for listening, and we'll have another episode for you next week. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.